Welcome to Stories That Stir. Woohoo! And I just said to myself, like, I've burned down myself, my skin, my clothes, my everything. I'm, I'm completely naked standing here, Australia, in front of you. Hold me in your arms. Welcome. I am so very happy to have you here. It's going to be an incredible night. So some of you don't know what Stories That Stir is all about and why I created it. Essentially, I created it to break down barriers, stir conversation and inspire positive change. Because I really believe that when we share our stories, exactly what I said, we give people the chance to open their site. All those invisible bonds that exist between people actually become visible and the fear we have and the judgments we tend to make about people, their situation, their race, their gender, just falls away when we get an understanding of where people are coming from. Tonight, I'm really excited about the theme. It's all about courage. I just think courage is such an important theme because as humans, we all have fears. (laughs) And a lot of us step through those fears and when we do that we evolve and transform as humans and some of us take a lot longer to step through that fear and some of us never do. All right our next speaker is a very very special lady. I met her while I was giving a presentation um, at this uh, talk called or this organization called We Are All Sydney whereby The leaders of minority groups were organised by the Jewish Board of Deputies to get a whole lot of different um, lessons in different business skills in Australia. And I got talking to Amborica, or Ambi, as she's fondly known, and when she told me her story, I just asked her if she would please share it at one of my stories that stir nights. Now, Ambi has never shared this story. She actually hasn't spoken in public before, and English is her second language. So please welcome Amborica. Good evening, everyone, and thank you so much, Monica. Thank you for having me here tonight um, and creating this wonderful event where we can share, connect, listen, and you know, reflect. Well, let me tell you something. Standing up in this platform tonight and you know, narrating my experience and my story, that too in a language, quote and unquote English, which is not my first language, itself is an act of courage. I can't tell you how nervous I am, how vulnerable I am, but I also know that I'm not the same woman that I used to be three years back because I have this little friend within me who nudges me, kicks me at a time when I'm tip scared of losing everything that I have hold on for so long. And that little friend is courage for me. So here I am once again, standing in front of you. Hello and namaste uh, to all of the beautiful people out there. Let me begin my story then. My story in regards to courage is embedded within the fact that I broke all the boundaries and the rules and the limitations that were put forward in front of me by the society, by the life situations and circumstances, and by the choices that I had to make at that given point of time in my life. 
you know and these these limitations has been with me from right from the time i was born you know me as somebody's daughter me as somebody's sister me as a co-worker a teammate me now as a friend now as a wife but among all this role that i have played in my life nobody have ever looked back and asked me that what i really wanted what career i would like to have what food i would like to have probably what are my likings dislikings this was just not there and you know and it seemed normal and life went on so you see systematic suppression of female identity their voices and their desire has been a pressing issue from the land that i born in in and as monica mentioned i come from a remote city in from the northeast of india where females are often under the scrutiny of patriarchal society or the laws and the norms so everybody has a say in her life okay so it's like how you have to dress how what are what are the stream of lines of education that you need to choose how you need to talk walk everything you know freedom of speech is very limited so is the freedom of education however please be mindful that this is not implemented for the male child it's only for the females you know just to elaborate this further you know i have this amazing amazing bond i share this amazing bond with my mother in my language i call her ma so me and ma has a amazing bond okay but having said that she is the one person in my life who has made me cry the most most in my life there's nothing wrong she's my mother she i my i owe my life to her i was inside her for 9 months so everything that i am here today standing in front is because of her but she couldn't fight because that's how she was programmed in for you know she knew that it was not right to put so much of limitations upon my bird my shoulder but she didn't have the courage to fight for her daughter that's that's the only thing you see i i always wanted to study law you know i got i got offers from the great universities across india but my mom says no 3 to 5 years to march you know by the time she already created a flow chart for me what i need to do what subject i need to do you know and you have to do i cried for days and night i went for a hunger strike no it nothing happened you know and at last i thought i give up you know so by i managed to do my graduation i did my masters in literature because they thought and society thought that literature is supposed to be feminine in nature and this is what suits me and it is good for my resume as a matrimonial in matrimonial side you know and i did however when i was about to graduate uh, to complete my uh, masters a fatal accident a catastrophe happened my brother went into coma and i was now pushed into the brain to perform as a sister my role as a sister so i was pushed into this financial sector which is male dominated out there and i had to earn and i had to generate money so here i am and i did my best when i say i did my best i really mean i worked hard i gave my best you know and 
I have seen it all. I have seen the cutthroat competition. I have seen the office politics. I have seen, I have faced discrimination, sexual harassment in spite of me performing and, you know, up to the KPIs. My boss has asked me for sexual favors for, for my promotion and for salary in, increment. So it was one of those moments of my life when I, when I think back, I can't even hold back myself how, how it feels to be at that position at that time, that moment. You know, but I survived. The point is not about surviving. The point is that I had no one to go back and talk about it. There was no one who supported me. Everybody, like even the female colleagues, they, they, they said, zip it up. You know, it, it sounds bizarre for me. Okay, fine, I'm not the first one who was victimized, but at least we can find a solution. We can go somewhere, but nobody wanted to listen. As the days passed by, there comes another role that I need to play as a daughter now. So this is the time as being in, being in an Indian traditional family is the marriage. It's, it's a big thing. So it's like, you know, arranged marriage is a big thing. So there you have, as everybody knows now, that's like 40% is your say and 70% is your parents who decides. And you are manipulated in the system in a way that you probably end up saying yes. This time I bended the rules. This time I made sure I fall in love. And I made sure I married the man that I fall in love now who lives in Dubai. So, but probably a trick was that I made sure that he falls into that category of list, like where my father and mother has clicked and the society has clicked, you know. So he fell into that, he, he had all these check marks and yeah, I got married. So that was my first ticket to freedom, to be honest. When I flew to Dubai, I lived there a beautiful life of 13 years. He still lives there. You know, I thought, that's, that's it. That's, it's a new foreign land for me. Nobody knows me. Nobody has to tell me what I need to do, what I need to wear, what I need to, nothing. I decide for my own self. But, you know, when you are under that system for so long, so long, you actually lose your voice somehow. You don't remember what you like. You, you just can't. You think that's, that's normal when people decide for yourself. It's normal that... You know, every decision, the major decision of your life is taken by someone else and you are just a puppet. You have no identity. You, you are, your identity is somebody so-so's daughter, somebody so-so's sister, and wife. And I was lost among it. You know, for, for example, I'll tell you, my husband comes up and he tells me, what would you like to eat? And I would look back to him and I say, well, whatever you want, you know, I'll just have it. Look at the condition of my crippleness. You know, I am so crippled, and I am such a person who can't even make up a mind to say that what I want. I can't decide. You ask me what is my favorite color, probably like five years back, I would look back here or there. I can't say. Now you ask me, I can tell you. Because, you know, my mom says, wear this. That's, that's, that's the system that I was born and raised. It's, it's, it's just that part. And as usual, everybody said, because I had years of experience in corporate life, so that's the place that I need to be. So I listened again. I, I worked in multiple corporate houses in Dubai. And, you know, nothing felt right again because somebody has taken a position on behalf of me. For me, like, there is no value of human life or dignity of labor that really pinched me. And I am a person who wants to contribute, create a smile, work with people. That's me. 
because I've gone through so much, I want to give it back. Whatever little small way I can, I want to give it back. And so at the age of 38, I just broke down. I broke down. I said, I am that fancy wife. My husband doing so well. I go to this gala parties. I am, I'm done. And 13 years of marriage, trust me, I've never, never had the guts to ask him anything in my life. And on that night, I just told him that like, you know, I lost something from you for the first time in my life. I want my freedom. I want my identity, not your wife, not, not my daughter, not, no, no. I want my, myself. And he looked at me. I'm, I'm really glad that he looked at me and told me that, here you go. You get, take my wings and fly. I said, thank you. Thank you so much. And I, and I did that. I took up this opportunity and I enrolled myself uh, in Western Sydney University to do our second master's in humanitarian and development studies and took the, cut the ticket, booked the tickets and I just flew. I left everything, I disappeared. I disappeared like in a thin air, like Magbits, three magical witches that disappears in, in the thin air. I just disappeared like that. And, and I still remember, you know, it was 22nd February 2019 when I was landing in the Sydney airport alone by myself. I have no friends, no family, no connection, completely different culture, very shy as a person, like, you know, very scared. But when I looked at the airport in the Sydney and I was looking out in the window and I, and I just said to myself, like, I have burned down myself, my skin, my clothes, my everything. I'm, I'm completely naked standing here, Australia, in front of you. Hold me in your arms. I have, give me my identity. This is what I told to myself sitting there alone in the airport. So on 1st of March, I walked into this beautiful university. I was so amazed, thrilled. Uh, it, it's beautiful, but I have, I, have, I have traveled the world, so I've seen it, you know. But for me, it is my true self. This is the first time in my life, in 38 years of my life, I did something that I wanted to do. I studied something that I wanted to study. I, be, I, I wanted that. So when I stepped into that classroom, you know, I, I was so thrilled and excited. It took me five minutes to understand, like, you know, everybody was staring at me. And I realized that, oh, well, I am in midst of this millennium kids, you know. Wow, they, they speak a different language, you know. They, they are into day, different kind of apps, and, and they looked at me like a mother hen. And I became a classic example of Peter Russell, Russell Peter's Indian joke that like, you know, shaking your head because Indians shake their head a lot. So I became that. But I realized something in that time, you know, making fun of my own self was therapeutical in a way. I lived my life there, you know, and they took me in their gang, in their group, and I learned so much. I learned the funky words, the short words, the absolute dating uh, websites and kind of stuff, which I, uh, you know, I, I never experienced. So, yeah, and, you know, and one thing that remained with me is, like, they always say, chill, ambi, chill, ambi, all good, no drama. So that stayed with me, like, okay, chill, ambi, all good, no drama. So, you know, and by the end of the semester, I'm me being an Indian. I'm so, I, I feel so proud. It's like a umami for me. Like when I see, um, they literally do. It's like, hey, wanna grab a coffee? It's like, 
Yeah. You know, they start shaking. I said, like, that's kind of a little bit of Indian going into their blood. Uh, but I managed to graduate. I managed, in spite of the tough situation that I went through, I graduated. I scored second in my class. I came out. And I really wanted to celebrate that moment, you know. I, I really wanted to go back home and say that I did it. You know, I did something that I loved. But Mr. COVID was here, you know. And I couldn't fly down. I couldn't see my family for three years. And the time difference are bizarre. You know, it's, it's a time lapse. And that time, I, and it was very hard for me without friends, families, the lockdown. And to find an internship or find a placement, it was so hard for me. You know, I applied for a job, and for the first time in my life, my Gmail account was was so active. It was flooded with rejection letter, one after the other, one after the one after the other. At first, like I just, I was so baffled because I had the skills, I had all the passions, I had the education, I had everything, but nobody gave me a chance. They just doesn't want to listen. They do, doesn't want to give me that opportunity. They say that you don't have a local. Resume, and I come back to say that, like, if you don't give me a chance, how am I supposed to have a local resume? If you, if my, it's it's a real struggle of a migrant, you see. If your skills are not recognized, how am I supposed to perform? How am I supposed to deliver or contribute towards the economy? I I had I had this bizarre questions coming back to me, and there are times, trust me, alone, I couldn't with all these things that I have gone through, I couldn't stand up from my bed. I couldn't. I cried. I stayed there in my bed for two days, three days, and there was no one, no one. And I couldn't even tell that to my husband. That like I'm going through this. I just don't because I felt like a loser. Like what did I do? I left a life that was already made. No matter what, I had no identity, but I could have been secured. And I'm here in a foreign land, lonely, without any anyone near me. Even if I'm sick, there's no one. And that's the time when again my little friend. Called courage kicked in, and you know I said, okay, fine. I'm not getting this chance. I'll I'll try it in my traditional way. I started going door to door to the organizations and found out the key person, and I begged for a meeting. I said five minutes, five minutes. Give me five minutes of your time. I'm standing on your door, please. You know I have a degree. I have a skills. I have everything, please. And I managed to do that. I, I I told him that this is what it is. He looked at me. He said, "You're a hell lot of a stubborn woman." I said, "Yes, I am. I am. You know, I'm I'm approaching you in a traditional way. I'm a hell lot of a stubborn woman. Give me, give me one chance." He said, "Fine. Start volunteering." I started volunteering, and after that, like I got into a paid role. Now I'm a project officer in Settlement Services International, which is uh, looking after, which is one of the biggest organization looking after the migrants, vulnerable communities, and refugees and asylum seekers. And you know, this is the first stepping stone for me. I know sky is the limit, but what I would like to Say here or end here, you know. I broke all my bones. I gave up everything to be myself. So I debunk my own identity. My whole entire thirty-eight years of knowing to unknown myself and to embrace life in my own terms, and I'm not going to give it back. 
I'm not. I'm going to stand here, shout here, cry, but I'm not going to give it back. So, you know, at the end, I would really like to end my story in three little short, my experience. First, it's never too late to do something that you truly desire and truly want, truly seek. All you need is little courage. Just go for it. Second thing is, courage for me is there within every one of us. We all have it. And it is in between your gut feeling and the action that you take towards your passion. It's just there, sitting there, lying and sleeping. For me, it is always there. And he always kicks me. So, and the third thing is like, you know, be grateful. Be grateful for what you have. You know, you guys have such a privilege to, to make a choice. You know, you, you had says, you, you can reject, you can welcome, you can, you, can, you, you can do so many things. You had this privilege of having your own opinion and your voice, which was not there. So, you know, sometimes the things that we take in for granted, the other part of the world doesn't have it. Life is beautiful and cherish it. So in that note, I, I wind up this, my story. And thank you so much for bearing with me. And thank you, Monica. Thank you. Namaste. It's not often that I'm speechless. But Ambie has made me speechless. Oh, I think we just take so much for granted being born into this amazing country and when you hear stories like that, all the little fears that we have just seem so ridiculous. I have to say, yesterday I had um, a whole lot of sales calls I needed to make. So some of you know that I'm pivoting from my PR agency, which I've been running for over 20 years, to uh, as a communication keynote speaker and an MC. And one of the things that I'm doing, which I find scary, is making those friggin' sales calls. <laughs> But yesterday I was sitting at my desk, you know, call, trying to get up the courage to call these people one after the other, and Ambie called me, and we had a bit of a chat about the story that she was sharing tonight. I mean, I knew a bit of it before, but she was giving me more detail. And after we hung up, I thought, how dare I be scared of picking up a phone and calling some person sitting in their office in Sydney? Like, that is just ridiculous. <laughs> I think and I hope that's what Ambie's story has done for you guys tonight. Whatever little fears you have, those little things that you think, I really want to give it a go, but, uh, you know, that fear monster. <laughs> think of Ambie and what she has done in uprooting her life and coming to a strange country. Um, and then I think it will just be a piece of piss, really, won't it? <laughs> So thank you so much. I think we need to give her another round of applause. If you'd like to buy tickets to the next Stories That Stir event, the link tree is in the show notes. <laughs>